And welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince, and I'm here with my co-host Stevie D. Stevie D. Week seven. It's fast. Didn't it's, go. It's, 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 it's crazy, right? You got you got Halloween in two weeks. It's just whew. Uh, it's 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 amazing. I think they should do like 24 games a year, right? They, they almost have to. When when you look at other sports, baseball. Hockey, basketball, everybody talks about how the season is so long. Football is the only one where they talk about, you know, how it goes so fast. It, yeah. And when you look at the total months, I mean, it's basically the same. But that one game a week and now, now you're, you're <clears throat> you know, thirsty for more, right? And next thing you know, you look in your rearview mirror, you look up and you check, and you get all these games behind you. And, and well – I, I had a rough one. We both came out victorious, right? We both had the W's, but I had a rough one. Um, it was a nail biter. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put it like you, you know. I'll, I'll be honest with you. When, when I look back, and we're gonna go into it a little bit more in depth in just a little bit, but when I look at that game, you know, people talk about trap games. Um, people talk about games where there are um, motive, motivation by the other team. I look at this is that type of game, right? Because when, when you look at what Buffalo was presented, they were presented a, a woeful, we'll, we'll call them a woeful New York Giants team, yeah, yeah. right? Their starting quarterback, and in most cases, we, we – we could talk about Danny Dimes all we want to, but he he is was is their starter, right? But he was out. When you look at their offensive line, banged up. When you look at you know what they had uh, in their secondary, they were hurt. And then you look at Tyrod Taylor. Now the backup because Danny Dimes is out. Tyrod Taylor plays, but what's significant? Obviously. Former Buffalo Bill, former Pro Bowl Buffalo Bill, and what everybody likes to talk about—he was the quarterback that helped lead us to our first playoff game, right? To break that drought. So you have you have Tyron Taylor, you have um, Brian Dable, right? Offensive coordinator. Everybody made a lot to do about the relationship that Dable had with Josh Allen. Right, and that he had with the rest of the staff, McDermott and, and and others. Right, you had the GM, you had wide receivers, you had linemen, you had all these former Buffalo Bills, right, that were taken, stolen, <laughs> right, but left Buffalo to go to the Giants. So, in in their minds, right, in this type of game, this is the scenario where you have kind of like that revenge game. They, you know, they were playing for something more than pride, right? They they wanted to win, similar to the week before when you had um, Nathaniel Hackett versus Sean Payton or, or Sean Payton versus the Jets, however you want to consider that, right? It was that type of game. And to when you go into that, you have one side who's amped up, right? And they're really playing for a lot. You have the other side – coming back from England, and I'm not making excuses, coming back from England, looking across the way, looking at the record saying, we're better than this team. You're at home. It's Sunday night, right? You have all these things. You just feel as though you're going to go out onto that field 
and you're going to pull, you know, come away with the victory. It's going to be an easy victory. Not so fast, right? Not so fast. Uh, one of the big things that it did, and again, we'll talk about it in a little bit, it started to shine a light, DVD, on some of the things that need improving. I'm not going to say that are wrong, right? But that need improving with our Buffalo Bills. So, with that being said, you know, again, we're going to get into it a little bit. I know you had uh, what some may be described as an upset victory, right? No, you not, picked not, them, not so, Marlin. Not so Marlin. if you picked them, it can't be an upset. Uh, but I think the other 99% considered <laughs> Everybody thought I was crazy when I said the Eagles were only going to score 20 points. I even think you gave me a look like 24 to 20 because I put it on uh, on the slide on my keys to victory, right? Hey, what's going on, Rob? And you know, I put I put the you know I put it out there uh, that thank you, my man, appreciate that. Uh, and and you gave me a look like you're gonna hold the Eagles to what, right? And then all of a sudden, as the week goes on, now when we did the show, that was a week ago, that was a week ago. Then all of a sudden, word breaks out that sauce is not playing. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like, holy Jesus, we're gonna bring people out from the practice squad, and and it, and it worked out. Like Jets earned it. Philly kind of made some stupid plays there at the end. Uh, we'll get into, um, but it, it was a it was a it was a good game, um, and, and obviously my slide. We're on a bye week this week, so there's no keys to victory. But I I put it as things that just need to look out after the bye, right? Things that they need to improve after the bye week to to really start making a run because the next three weeks in the NFL world you would consider them winnable games. Right? Yes. Right. Um, you know, Salah, and we'll, we'll we're going to play a clip here in a little bit. You know, Salah used the gauntlet. Uh, I'll say we had a gauntlet of teams that we went up against. We went up some some really good franchises. Five of the six games were good franchises, really good franchises. We had the one that, you know, you played down to your competition and, you know, you gave them the only win of the season. And, I mean, come on, Jets. I mean, you lose that one game in New England that you can't lose, right, and, and you do. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into some video clips, some breakdowns, uh, a couple of plays that we're going to break down of the Jets game. Uh, courtesy of the New York Jets.com. And uh, yeah, exciting. It was great. I mean, I'll tell you, there was a play in that game, and the Jeff fans know it. When when Lazard got a hit with that crackback block, man, I, I can tell you that remote almost went through the TV. <laughs> that were said in that household uh, 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 when that play happened, because as Jet fans know, you just say it's typical, right? It's typical uh, that, that that call would go against us at that point in time. Uh, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the play that's going to cost us the game. You know, we we just don't typically recover on those you know, those mistakes. And but the Italian from Philly made the ultimate uh, mistake, I thought. And we're, we'll talk about that that play call and the ego. And you know, Eagle fans, well, some of them support them. Um, I think it was the, as the bonehead move, uh, almost as bonehead. I won't put it on the same plane as the Miami Hurricanes coach. When he should have taken a knee because that was really bad, but this that is was, right there, man. It's in that conversation, though. It is. So we'll, we'll get more into that when we we talk about Jets Eagles. So Stevie D, uh, we've had a lot of Eagle fans that have been part of the show, whether it be Jay or whether it be Tanya. I have yet to hear any one of them say congratulations to you. Is, is there something with the green that's going on where there's a little friction, uh, a little animosity? No, no, I don't think it's animosity. I think it's embarrassment. Nope. I think it's embarrassment where, you know, you you have your team on a pedestal of they're undefeated and we're great and we're great. And uh, 
and then you feel that you lost a game that you should have won. Um, the reality is the Jets' um, defense has played very hard this year, although I'm going to get into some numbers that were, are actually eye-popping that show that the Jets' defense, you're not as lead as you think you are, but it's like you give the teams the first half, and then the second half we said we're going to cut you off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I give Jason Kelsey, you know, he came out and, and talked very highly of the Jets and the Jets' defense and what they were able to do. Uh, but I think from a from a Jay and, and a T- Tanya Stevie, Stevie D, yeah, I, I'm going to put you in politics. Uh, you completely pivoted away from throwing shade back at Tanya and Jay in, into now you're off talking about Kelsey and, and – well, I'm, well, I'm going to get back to. I'm going to start. I want, gonna, to go, I want you to go back and hit the Eagle fans. That's what this is about. I'm, I'm going to take your line. I'm going to circle the wagons <laughs> that I did there, and 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 really, at the end of the day, it, it's okay. It, it's okay that they're shocked that they lost to the Jets. Uh, but what I said prior <laughs> to the game, the Eagles are not as good as the Eagles think they are. I think they're not the same team that they were last year. You lose your defensive coordinator. You lose your offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of that hunger because you already went to a Super Bowl. They're just not the same team. They're not. Even their wins, they're not the same team. They're not firing like they did offensively a year ago at this point. It's different. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I will. I am going to call out Jay, though, because Jay, Jay is a viewer, right? Jay, Jay is an active participant, and Jay, I am waiting for you to acknowledge the loss that you had and say congratulations. Be a man. Man up and just say, hey, good job, Stevie D. Right? And the guys at Green, for those that don't know, we kind of have our own little private little chat going on, and it seems to be the Green team versus America's team. Right, red, white, and blue. America's team. You guys got into it. You guys, all of a sudden it went from. I'm defending you in a way. And then all and, of a and sudden, then he wants to take shots. Oh, hey, 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 don't take shots. I got the W. I got the yeah. dub, as, right, as Jameis right. would say. I'm eating dubs. So, but yeah, so it, it was interesting. It was interesting. But Stevie D, as we, as we segue away from that, you know, there, there are a couple things we want to talk about. There's some coaches that are on the hot seat. There, there is one that is up in Foxborough right now that they're talking about. It, it's really hard when you have, quote, unquote, a legend, right, when you have what some would term a genius um, to kind of push him out. And, you know, when you look at Belichick and you look at, you know, his resume, everybody wants to say, well, it's all it's because of uh, the quarterback that he had there. Well, you can say the same thing for almost every successful coach that was out there. You're going to say the same for Bill Walsh, right? That it was because of Montana or Shula because it was because um, of Greasy or because of Marino. Are you going to say those things? Jimmy Johnson with Aikman, right? So there's they're always tied together, right? But, you know, one of the things, and I think we've talked about it, if not on this show, we've talked about it. I know you and I have talked about it. You know, it, it's that head coach GM type position that really gets you in danger. Right, that's the one that gets you in trouble, and that's the one that's gotten Belichick in trouble. Um, you know, being going out and buying the groceries and cooking the dinner too. Yep. Right, I think he used that. Um, so definitely, he's on the hot seat, and and you know, usually when there's smoke, there's fire, and you're hearing it a lot, especially coming out of the New England area. Yeah, 
Yeah, my, my other coach, Hotsy, because I know we talked about Belichick last week, and you know I put the comparison to Tom Landry right last week is, you know, what do you do with a guy that's won so much and been there for so long? But at the end of the day, it's a business decision. And right now, maybe the voice is not being heard or you don't believe in the talent acquisition that he's doing, whether it's via the draft or free agency. Um, I think I really do believe the Tom Brady um, trading the Jimmy Garoppolo to the Tom Brady. He didn't want Tom Brady. He didn't want Tom Brady to be there. Kraft wants him there. Like sometimes those egos get in the way, right? And then it's like, well, that's not what I wanted. And now you did what you wanted and we're not having success. And so um, I think there's a little bit of that there in New England. But for me, the hot seat is Brandon Staley in in, in L.A. Uh, and I would see Kellen Moore. I could see Kellen Moore possibly. Maybe that's why they brought Kellen Moore in as an offensive coordinator. Maybe the owner's like, look, I'm like, like man, Staley doesn't work. I can still have the offensive mind and, and, and Kellen Moore, who was a candidate for 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 head coaches around the league last year. Maybe that's what they're thinking over there that they could get rid of Staley and promote Kellen Moore. Again, I don't know if Kellen Moore is ready to be a head coach. I have no clue. That's obviously all speculation. But I think Staley has done an awful job with a rising franchise and a rising you know young talent. And, and it's it's just flatline. I just think they, they've cut peak with this guy. And, and, you know, the same mistakes he's making, to me, are inexcusable compared to why they got rid of Anthony Lynn. So if I'm the owner of Spanos, I'm, if I'm the owner, I'm looking at it saying, well, wait a minute, I fired Anthony Lynn for a lot less than I'm keeping this guy around. And this guy just makes some bonehead scratch moves game after game. And it's almost like, they win in spite of their head coach when they when they do win, right? It's it's weird because some of their losses, you just like oh oh hold, hold on, I, I missed a couple. There he is. Oh, <laughs> look at that guy. there you, he is. Thank you, Jay. You know, Jay, we at least come back to us as a producer. That way, uh, you know, I'm not so slow on the trigger to bring these up. And Rob, I know I missed a couple of yours as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Thank you, Jay. Much appreciated. Hey, and then Rob chimed in to step down from the GM. Hey, and there's no, there's no doubt about it. If, if he's not on the hot seat to leave, yeah. um, definitely break apart the duties. Yeah. But you you were on Brandon Staley. I agree yeah. with you on Brandon Staley. It, Brandon Staley. If 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 everybody remembers the Kansas City game. I, I think that was the most atrocious coaching decisions that we saw, and it ended up costing them the game late, right? Um, so I, I definitely could see that. Um, a lot of these coaches out there like to use and, and really fall back on injuries as to the reason for their season's demise, right? Uh, Frank Reich, too new in Carolina, but but struggling there. I don't think he's going to be a one-and-done there, um, well, obviously. Well, I don't know if you've been hearing what's the rumor out of Carolina. This owner – is very difficult to work for. He's like the George Steinberg of the NFL. He's got zero patience. I was just uh, listening to the Pat McAfee show the other day, and he talked about it just because of his contacts as he has in the NFL. And he's and he was making the point of he could be out one and done because this owner's nuts. He's nuts. He doesn't want to hear excuses. He just expects results, and he doesn't realize that what they did in Carolina, first of all, you traded anybody that had any value, right? They're all gone. DJ Moore, 
CMC, they're gone, right? You rebuild. It takes time to rebuild the talent level on a team, and he just doesn't doesn't comprehend that. Sure. You, know, uh, you know, when you're the one of the richest owners in the league, you know, you want instant results, and and I know we've had teams with instant results. But you, you know, a little bit of it is accountability. A little bit is maturity from the ownership, right? And so he oh, he's sure. holding he's holding the team accountable. Um, maybe Frank should have come in that hey, you got to trust the process. I, I think once you say that, that that gives you a good three to four <laughs> window to change things. They, you know, CBD. There, there's there's some other coaches, but when you look around in the standings, because right off the bat for me, Dennis Allen in New Orleans was one that I would have put onto the hot seat. However, you're sitting at three and three in a division where you're you're basically, I think, a half game out of first place. So with the Bucks being three and two, you could very easily be tied for the division lead and just, you know, you start getting your head to heads and you know as it drags on. Next thing you know, you know, eight, eight and nine, nine and eight wins the division. You're a division winner. Yeah, I don't know if Dennis Allen is on the hot seat, but if you watch last week's game, maybe the offensive coordinator is on the hot seat because him and Derek Carr don't seem like they're getting along too well. But Dennis Allen really hasn't done much for the Saints at all since they, you know, since taking over for Peyton. And that, that's why you have scapegoats. Well, and you do. You're really good at throwing somebody underneath the bus to save their own job. You're talking about <laughs> right? Leslie so, what's up? Wait, you're oh. talking about Leslie Frazier? I, I'm not going there. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going there. So, but, you know, again, right now at this point, I don't think we're going to see a change in Arizona. Um, I don't think we're going to see a change with the Bears. I mean, they they, they have their route. Um, Sean Payton's not going. And then everybody else is really kind of competitive. Floss? You think Eberfloss can survive in Chicago? I do. I do. Wow. Wow. I do. They, they had a nice little run. Right, injuries have now bitten them, right, and bitten them to the core. Um, I think you can withstand it. Now, how long of a leash do you get? But I do think he could he could survive it, again. Survive the year or we're, we're, at, next year? we're we're at the half, not even the halfway point, but we're we're coming up to the halfway point. Let's see in a couple of weeks we revisit this to see who truly is on the hot seat. Start to see what's happening there. Speaking of injuries, big injury that you know kind of. For those that follow fantasy, uh, Anthony Richardson. That's my guy, man. I like him. He is. Dude, he is. Devastated for him. So, so, shoulder surgery out for the year. Yep. Uh, just devastated for the young man. Um, he was my favorite out of all three. Stroud is the one that shocked, has shocked me the most. I was not big on Stroud, so good for him. Um, he's, he's, he's nine touchdowns, one pick. I mean, are you kidding me? And that just came last week. Yeah. That just came last week. And uh, but a, a- Rod or uh, you know Anthony Richardson, I just man, I, I feel for him, man. I, I just it kills me because he was doing some really good things out there. But again, when it goes to show you, you gotta be smart too. You're a big, you're a big dude, and anybody who's got a running quarterback, that's your biggest fear. You take that shot, and, and now your 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 season's over. I thought Josh Allen took a shot. And I thought he came up grabbing it is it non thrown shoulder, not thrown shoulder, right? He did, uh, but he came up with a shoulder injury. He's actually on the injury report because of that shoulder injury. Um, he says he's okay. He's limited. I believe he was limited in practice, but he did practice. Um, but 
you know, again, it, it it's one of those things. And that was not running, right? That was staying in the pocket, right? Just taking taking one of those hits. So uh, the other the other injury, and, and this may be very costly, San Francisco. Now you have Christian McCaffrey and you have Debo Samuels, both going down injuries. Yeah. Now we will see the true Brock Purdy, right? Now we will see what can you do without Christian McCaffrey, who is – um, for all intents and purposes, right? That the offense for the 49ers, right? Um, and so we'll we'll see, you know, what Purdy could do relying on the others. And then also you lose Debo Samuels right now. Both of the guys are, I don't believe, are season ending. I know McCaffrey, I think they said four, four to six, probably four. Uh, but that that's a that's a sizable chunk. You're gonna have to to really put through for the next four weeks so that you don't find yourself sitting, yeah. you know, at, at 500 or, or less than 500 when he gets back. Yeah. Uh, Robert's just saying that uh, Alan went through the walkthrough today. So that's obviously a good sign for Buffalo if he's uh, going through, but I didn't think it was a, um, I didn't think nothing of it. I just saw him come up, kind of do one of those. It was a non-throwing shoulder. Um, and then, uh, so I wasn't sure how. And short, shortly after, uh, he took a bad fall, head to the to the turf. He got up, uh, but the call came down. They ran up to the tent. He's that, that's where the forty yard dash comes in handy, right? Because he ran into the tent. He was sitting there and he was out. You know, after they cleared him. Okay, I gotta digress here for a second. The last London game happened, right? Tennessee played uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. Tannehill gets hurt. He goes to the one tunnel. Oops, what are we at the wrong tunnel? He waited, it seemed like like 10 minutes for the car to come. He's standing on the bum leg. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Seriously, are you kidding me? This is what we got going on over there. We got bad turf, right? You're taking out the grass, and now you got an injured quarterback standing there, like, take your time, guys. It's okay. It's only an ankle. I don't need to stand. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Unbelievable. Please stop the London games. Please, please. Anyway. Well, hey, your boy got re-upped for another three years. At what, $50 million a year? Like that, that yeah, because that, that's what he's on. Another three years. All right, Stevie D. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about last week. Uh, you know, you're on the bike, so I'll let you go first. Go ahead and, and talk to us about your Jets. Um, go ahead, knock it out. Yeah, so um, – do you want me to uh, – so just because you kind of put me on the spot, I wasn't ready for that one. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to – Jay, this is why we need you. All right, so we're going to do the recap of the Eagles game, and then uh, I'll go in after the, and then talk about the buy stuff, right? So, um, yeah, so obviously it was a good game, good defensive battle. Um, I thought uh, I thought the, you know, the keys to my game for the victory were I, I thought I was, was pretty good on the spot-on stuff there. You had to win the turnover battle, right? I said two plus turnovers. You had to, you had to, you know, take the ball away to cut, cut hurts away from scoring. We got four turnovers, right? I thought our defensive line needed the ball out. It didn't necessarily equate to a lot of sacks, but the pressures made him uncomfortable. There were a lot of throws that I thought hurts made on his back foot instead of getting in just because he was uncomfortable in the pocket when he when he did throw. Um, uh, limit the. But isn't the, isn't that his normal? Almost type delivery. He he's a little bit more unorthodox. Well, it, 
when when you watch it, you yes, he he may be. I don't watch it enough for Jalen Hurts to know that. It just seemed awkward that sure. I don't. Most quarterbacks don't do that. So if that's what he normally does, I I don't know. His, his pre-snap stance yeah. is is awkward. You so, know, <laughs> he's all spread out wide. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, obviously the the Eagles in that first half were so pass happy in that first half. You know, trying to take advantage of of our our top three corners out. Um, actually, we had our, we had four four corners out for the game. Um, it was uh, we had four corners out for the game. Um, we had to promote two from the practice squad. Um, one that we didn't have history with. One we had history with. He was there a couple of weeks prior before they cut him, and then they had to bring him back in an emergency. And so I, I thought the Jets, um, you know, their front line kind of set the tone to get in there, kind of help uh, the corners out where Hurts didn't have all day. But I'll tell you one thing about Hurts. He's a strong kid. Yeah, he is. Um, his squats and, and what he can squat is ridiculous. His leg presses are ridiculous. And the Jets had some issues um, getting him down to the ground. Uh-oh. Just, you know, hey. Uh-oh. All right, mom's out there. All right, mom. All right, way to go. How you um, doing, Mrs. D? So, um, man, that was just for, took me for a loop right there. So, <laughs> um, you're talking about her squatting 600. Yes, yeah, so he was just tough to get down. But um, overall, I, I thought the Jets uh, made very good, made quicker adjustments um, to in the game, and then once that adjustment was made. They couldn't do anything, which I was surprised that the Eagles didn't try to run more when the passing game really wasn't working um, to try and open up the passing game. Uh, so I, I was really shocked um, with the uh, not too many run, run attempts. Um, so, uh, yeah. so hey, Bob, just want you know, Craig says hello. I thought I'd say hello, make sure I get the shout out there. Craig, uh, uh, Craig Willis, uh, Jennifer's uh, uh, ex-husband says hello. <laughs> I want to give a shout out. I got that popping up on the screen over here. So uh, see how I can adjust on the fly here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> maybe not so good. But uh, so I, I just thought the uh, the whole team as a whole just flying around. Quincy Williams, and if the league doesn't know who Quincy Williams is as a linebacker for the Jets, you're going to know him real quick because he's just every game he's just getting stronger and stronger. And we got him. You know, two years ago when Jacksonville cut him, and he's been just been getting better and better, just been a very coachable linebacker for the Jets. Uh, I, I, I will say this. I did take umbrage during the game when they said that he was the best linebacker in the league. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. no, Matt Milano is. Well, Matt Milano's not on the field right now, so I guess he can take that right now. <laughs> So <laughs> I was like, um, wait a minute. I yeah. well, and they're two different positions, right? He's an outside backer, and Milano's is the, the quarterback on defense in the middle. It's, it's two different spots. You know, those middle linebackers are so important to a game. Well, um, he's not he's not really middle, but they, they do play different, right? Because you guys play more traditional. We're in, in that big nickel, so, you know, different responsibilities. But still, that, that, that just yeah. rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> so so there are some plays that I wanted to break down here real quick uh, for everybody. Uh, so I'm going to kind of start setting these up here. Um, let me uh, – that's interesting. So as I try – there we go. There we go. So the first one I wanted to talk about is um, – it was a big play um, in, in the third quarter there. Um, we had uh, – I'm not seeing anything, CBD. Yeah, I'm, I'm so on this play, we got 
We got um, Devontae Smith there in the slot, number six, and he's going to do a deep post. And then um, you got A.J. Brown here, number 11. He's going to do a little cut in there. And so as this play kind of happens, it's set up by Jermaine Johnson here on, on, the, on the right side of the bottom of your screen. He's going to rush. And, and as this play happens, as you, you can see him come in, he's just going to maul the right tackle, right? Just watch it. We're going we're gonna to rewind it. We're going to zoom in here in a second, and you're going to see how he just manhandles the right tackle. But what's more impressive, once he throws him off to the side, he hits Jalen's arm, the ball flares up in the air, and my guy, Bryce Hall, uh, just makes the interception. And, uh, and that was kind of a, another one of those game-changing moments um, there for, uh, for the Jets. So as we can see it here, boom. Um, it was just, it was awesome. And again, we needed that momentum swift there kind of, that kind of set up a field goal. And so, uh, just a really great play by Jermaine Johnson kind of set that up hitting it. And then obviously when the ball's up in the air, that's everybody's, everybody's like, no, right. Cause you just, it's, it's a feast for the, for the defense, right. And we were lucky enough that it came through, but if Jermaine Johnson's not there, what you really didn't see so much is uh, Devontae Smith. He he was uh, he was he was open. They had that play. If Hertz had about another quarter of a second, he's that pass is made downfield. So it's really awesome to see the development of Jermaine Johnson. Again, he's been doing this week after week, just demolishing right tackles, left tackles. He's 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 gotten he got bulk, he bulked up a lot in the offseason, put on a lot of muscle. And now he's slinging these big tackles around like it's nothing. So great play by Jermaine Johnson to set that up. And obviously Hall, um, uh, another big game out of Hall. And so the next play that, that I'm going to set up here, this is the, the game clincher, right? This is the one that Eagle fans are saying, half the fans are saying, why? Why are you throwing the ball? You know, before I show the clip, for me, I got a jet offense that can't move the ball downfield. 60 yards. <laughs> Struggled. Yeah, they moved the ball yesterday. I mean, Sunday they moved it. But Garrett Wilson, your, your stud wide receiver, is hobbling with an ankle. Um, he's going to be on the field, but again, he's hobbling. Um, I would say on third and nine, you punt the ball inside the ten. You're giving the Jets a, a minute and ten, a minute and fifteen with no timeouts to go sixty yards to get a field goal. Man, I I, I don't know. I'd rather take that chance than on third and nine. You can have a bad snap. You can have a fumble, you can have a pick, right? There's so much that that's going on there. Um, yeah, well, you know, yeah, you guys are lucky that I didn't have my starting quarterback. Next, I mean, so I mean, you you can go that whole day, right? So see, see now, Jay, you did so well to come back and say congratulations, <laughs> right? And, All right, and, I, I know I didn't play with Sauce Gardner, I didn't play with DJ Reed, I didn't play with Brandon Nichols. Um, you know, I I can go along with injuries too, right? But you play what's on the field. Maybe your boy's not strong enough to stay on the field healthy. I don't know. Right? Maybe he just was a free goal against Jermaine Johnson. I don't know, Jay. I don't know, but it's okay. But Five stages of grief. Five this is, of grief. This is how we got into it in in the text, right? Yeah. At some point, you you have to let it go. Gotta right. Go. You you can't displace your anger, your venom, elsewhere. Right. You got beat. Chalk it up, and you move on. Right. Week one, I got beat. Chalked it up. It took a little bit, but I chalked it up and I moved on. I shortly. Kansas I, City. I, it took me a long time to get over the Kansas City one. A long time. But you, you know, you when you go back to that play and you say half the Eagle fans are saying this, half the Eagle. Listen, there's there's right and wrong. You compared it to uh, the the Miami Georgia Tech game, right? It's the same thing. 
sometimes these coaches think they're the smartest guy in the room. In in common sense, there's certain times where common sense just tells you what to do. And when you look across the field and you laid it out perfectly, you punt inside the tent. You know that you you have a good defense. You're going up against Zach Wilson. You Garrett Wilson is hobbled. The rest of the wide receiving core, yeah, do it. Do what you will. I the only thing I'd be worried about would be Brees Hall. That's the only thing I would be worried about. Other than that, try to drive the field. Yeah. You're not going to do it. So, so it's uh, so like we set up this play here. You got uh, you got Hurts right in shotgun. You got Tony Adams sneaking right to the left of uh, Quentin Williams, uh, Quincy Williams. Now he's seeking to the right. They're gonna. This play is just to the sticks, right? Get to the sticks, sit down, catch the ball, go down, first down, game over. So Hurts drops back, but you see Tony Adams just kind of drifting, kind of hanging out there, and he says, "I see what's happening." And then what does he do? Boom! He jumps the route, seals the game, and, and game's over, right? So, just a, uh, uh, just, to me, just an inexcusable play call. I just. It's ego. I don't. I just. I don't know what it is. I know you converted some third and longs earlier in the game, but man, the game is on the line. Like, what are you doing? Run the ball. Take the time off the clock. What are you doing? What Absolutely. If, if it's an incomplete pass. You just stop the clock. So you gave the you would give the Jets an extra thirty seven seconds that they wouldn't need. Why? Just run the ball. Maybe you get the first down. Who knows? Right. I just I, I I don't agree with the play call. I know Eagle fans want to say I agree with the call because you want to stay aggressive and all that. Aggressive uh, uh, being aggressive is okay in certain scenarios. You're not going up against the most prolific offense in the National Football League, so common sense should tell you run the football and punt it. Heck, you can take a knee and then punt it if you're worried about a fumble. Because at the end of the day, you're going to tell you punt it, a coffin kick it. Inside the 10-yard line, so they can't even do a return. So something wacky happens, just punt it on an angle out of bounds. Right? If they're coming, if the Jets come after the football, I don't need a high punt. Just enough to get it over the heads and let let the, the roll happen, right? This it was a it was a, and I don't I don't go against Italians very often. You know that. I don't <laughs> go against Italians very often. But Nick, you, you made a mistake there, buddy. We'll take it, but it was a mistake. But credit to the G defense for kind of masking some coverage. Tony Adams kind of playing a little cat mouse game there. Uh, he's called it baiting him into making that throw that he had the lane. He saw it all the way, according to him, as he was dropping back. Hurts, that was his whole focus. His single focus was was the tight end there, and, and he jumped the route. Good for the Jets. Bad play calling for the, for the Eagles. So, um, overall, I was still – you know, I still think the Jets are way too much in love with the passing game. Um, I'd like to see us leverage our, our running backs. I don't know if Dalvin Cook got hurt, but he was nowhere to be found, um, especially in, in that second half. But I just wish the Jets would run more. We're going to talk about this in my slide a little bit later uh, on some of the things I'd like to see in the second half and, and some statistics of the Jets, offense and defense, and, and some of my keys for a more successful second half. So, and then um, the one last video that I want I want to play is the press conference by by Sala at, at the end of the game. Uh, there's some things that struck me. Um, we've talked about this on the show. You know, you kind of helped open my eyes a little bit in, in fairness to um, to the coach and um, a little bit of immaturity, um, right? I understand week one was a big win. 
Um, you got excited. You ran down to the end zone with the team and you wanted to celebrate. It was a lot of emotion that day. It was not 11. Your quarterback goes down. It's an emotional win, divisional game. You know, it was crazy ending, right? Like how often you see a, a punt, re punt return, right? So um, I get that. And then you go to Denver. Yes, I know there's the history and I was okay with it, right? But then you see them acting like they just won the Super Bowl against a horrible team, right? And then you got the, uh, the game here against the Eagles. At the end of the game, you got Joe Douglas. There's a video circulating with then Salas jumping in the arms of Joe Douglas. Again, we win a Super Bowl. No, we we beat a very good team, um, and that's. I just expect a little bit more maturity out of my leaders, because uh, if you don't have the maturity amongst the leaders, do the players ultimately then respect you when when it doesn't go right? Because you're 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 amongst the the uh, players and not putting yourself a step above the players, right? Kind of isolating yourself from, from the player. Um, thought defense, uh, per the usual, uh, outstanding. Um, you know, through these first six weeks, we've played a gauntlet of quarterbacks. And um, I know we haven't gotten all wins, but we've embarrassed all of them. And uh, just really, really proud of, of the defense and its resolve. Uh, thought Brick and the staff had a an excellent game plan. So, so when I hear that, I can appreciate the gauntlet of quarterbacks. I can appreciate that statement, given the respect to the quarterbacks that you faced. Um, mm -hmm. You faced five really good quarterbacks in the six games you played. Um, and then to say that you embarrassed them all, um, their computer, their, their rating may have been, Hey, Joey, um, his, their ratings may have been in the 60% range, but their completion percentage was like 78%, right? Another 70-something percent, right? It's just you, you didn't embarrass them. You made them have turnovers. You put them in schemes that that made made them make mistakes uh, or maybe force a ball here or there because you frustrate them. That's great. But to use the word embarrass, I'm embarrassed as, as a fan – for my coach to say that. And I love the Jets. I love Sal. You know, I, I've protected him. And you probably shake your head like, dude, what's wrong with this guy? He's, he's drinking the Kool-Aid over there. Like, he's he's never says anything bad about his coach. And and, and for now, you know, when I look at it, I said, man, we just need maturity um, out, of our, out of our leader just a little bit more. You got to stay humble. I think he said it. Stay humble, right? There was no need to say that. And I know people get amped up after a game. Right, we talked about this with, with Barry Bonds years ago, right? When he's with the Patriots, you need a debrief period, right? Let guys cool down. It, you're, as a coach, man, you you just got to act a certain way when you're on. When the when when was that video? Was that right that after the, the night game? of the game? That was right okay. after the game, like probably 15 minutes after the game. So I know you're amped up, but as a coach, you have to be right side focused, and you have to know that you're speaking to millions of people. There's no excuse. Right. You are the head of the organization. You are the face of the franchise because you are speaking at all the press conferences. So right side focused, know where you're at. And, and play. if you want to say that in the, in the in the locker room, great. When you're in front of everybody, you're just adding fuel to your own fire. So when it goes sideways and pretty much it goes sideways for every coach, all those words that you said in New York are going to bite you in the butt because we know in New York. That once it goes sideways, this fan base is unrelenting. 
they will they will twist and use your words against you very quickly because we're we want that winner and when it doesn't go well everything you say gets gets turned around so um uh it's just again i can appreciate the passion keep it in the locker room um and, and let's go so so now you you guys are on by this week right we are yeah and uh so i i would love to say what are your plans for this week Biggest plan is stay out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought uh, Quincy Williams um, – hey, what's up, Richie B? Um, he's joining us. Um, and uh, what, what I'd say is I, what I was impressive to listen to C.J. Mosley, um, uh, Quincy Williams, uh, Quinn and Williams, they all talked about being smart, recovery. Get your bodies ready, recover. Right. And kept using the word recover, recover your body and just ease it. Watch the film and just recover your body and then be ready to get to get going, you know, next week. So a lot of smart um, words coming out of the player's mouth of, of saying the right things. Now, whether they do that is something different. But I thought they're they are definitely right, right side focused on the task at hand. Let's get our bodies in the right shape. We can watch film. And, and then let's be ready to work and game plan against for the Giants in, in, in our next game after the bye. So um, I like what I heard from from the Jet players uh, post game. Okay. Yep. All right. You you want to take us through your slide deck? What you got? Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know how to bring that one up, but uh, I may have to rely on you in there, buddy. I'm just learning these new controls. There we go. I got you. So, so as you kind of as you kind of think, I don't want to give the Jets a grade because we're not at the halfway mark, but when you think of what what is needed now, because you you got your rest, now you got to figure out what is your game plan for the next you know the the remainder of the season. And so, I talk about maturity. I still think our coach needs to mature, um, and, and a lot a lot of a lot of uh, different ways. Um, look, truthfully, yeah, three and three, no doubt. Some may say we should be four and two or five and one, right? Um, but it, we're not. We're three and three. We're, we are happy to be at least three and three. Uh, knowing that you had opportunities out there against Kansas City to, to, to sneak one out there or laying the egg against New England, right? You, you could have been four and two, uh, but we're not. We're three and three, and, and yeah, we are we are feeling good. But maturity, uh, I, I like to see it. I want to I see Salah take that step. Um, and, and maturity also comes – I kind of also put into the less is more, and I, and I kind of preface the, the press conferences. He likes to go in in, in too much detail. Answer the question and move on. Uh, the more you say, just get you can get more. Everybody wants to twist your words, and 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 such. So less is more in the press conferences. Um, let's not jump in our GM's arms after a victory, um, and uh, let's not run down the field when there's a when there's a play and you feel like you have to run in the end zone to celebrate with your team. Let your team who did the work celebrate. You can celebrate when they come see you on the sideline. You can celebrate in the locker room. What's not? Uh, run, run out there. It's you know, Vince. You, you said it many times. Act like you've been there before. So uh, I like to think that if our coach can get a little bit more mature, um, again, it's not the Jets are player bad because he's not mature. I just think as a leader, you have to make adjustments to your game. You're in year three. Where, where are you going to change? Don't change your passion. Don't so change let, let me, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me ask you this question because we are in the new age of the NFL. Right, you you have the McVeighs that are out there. You have the Shanahans, and you have the McDaniel's, and everybody off of that kind of coaching tree. This forty and under, right? 
top 40 under under 40, right? Um, <clears throat> it's different, right? They're different. When, you know, the game that, that we grew up, the coaches that we grew up, right? First of all, if you, you know, the old school coaches, shirt and tie, sports coat, hat on the sidelines, right? They kind of, it kind of changed right over time. Um, and, and now we see guys in, you know, performance shirts with the logo or something like that on the sideline, but it, it's a, it's a mentality shift. And I guess when you speak of the maturity, there's certain things that I want to see. I want to see my head coach do. And the, my expectation is that there's a delineation between the coach and the player. Yes, you want to give him a pat on the back. Yes, you want to congratulate him. But all the stuff in between, right? I, I don't need to see you jumping up and doing dabs and everything else like that. That can wait till later, right? You have to show that level of respect that you have for your coach or for your player. And I, I'm wondering if that's where you're going with the maturity because that's certainly something we would never see any of the coaching greats basically from like 2000, 2010, in prior, they wouldn't do it. They, you just wouldn't see it. Yeah, no. Uh, yes, right. Um, I love passion, right? I'm a passion guy. I am all about it. I like. I, I we had <laughs> look. Jet fans know Rich Cotite. God, you want to talk about a guy that would just stand there with the look on your face, and things are going down, good or bad. And, and that's what he was like. So I like a passionate coach. I, I said sure. it. I thought when Herm Edwards got his first shot to coach in the NFL was with the Jets, right? And he coached five years with the Jets. And uh, it was like it took him about two years to start showing passion, right? Um, Salah, it took about eight games or so, and then he started showing some passion. I just think it's a difference of showing passion to um, you're not a player. Your players need to do that. You as a head coach need to – it's like a proud parent, right? Well, I, I think it's some of the things with, with my own son, right? And you want to jump in, but you're like, nope, that, that's that's his bark. I'm going to sit back with the sure. smile on and, and clap him to success. And when he comes over, I give him a big hug. Um, and that that's what I want out of my head coach, right? And not to be running with the players on the field. Um, again, Absolutely. Some people may say I'm nitpicking. Right. And I like Sally. You know, I've never picked on him for anything um, before. Um, but I think. Um, this well, and, and we and we talked about this, too. Right there. You have what is labeled as the player's coach. Right. Um, but there, there's a fine line between being that player's coach and ultimately losing the respect of your locker room. Right. And, so, like, and, like Joey mentioned, yeah. it's a hard place to coach. New York is a hard place to coach. It absolutely is a hard place. And, Joey, I don't know where you're at in New York. I, I'm, I'm assuming you're in, like, the western New York area because um, I, I see you're, you're a Buffalo Bill fan. But in that tri-state area where you have – it's nuts. Like, fans pick on the littlest of things, and they'll run with something, and it, it's just bad. It's just bad. So you have to really be careful with your mouth. Um, because they'll twist your words um, in any which direction, and you wind up defending yourself. Well, that's not what I meant. Well, that's what you said, Coach, but that's not what I meant. Everybody else knows what you meant, but the media will, will twist it uh, uh, downstate. So, um. and I think <clears throat> I think a lot of you know, especially a lot of interaction from the folks here, Stevie D. And, and I think 
Wait, I think everybody is in agreement, right? But I, I think we're all in the agreement of it's this new generation of coaches, right? And Salah falls into that group of that new generation of coaches. We are are, are we the are we the old guys, right? Get off yeah, my lawn, we guys. Yeah, we're the, we we're the get off my lawn guys. Yeah, yeah. I just put seed down. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know and in time management i, I thought the jets are still just don't get that um uh, you, you saw it before halftime with denver you you just see it in certain plays like we saw it against the eagles do we kick the field goal do we not and that may have been by design um but it, it seemed like i know Salah gave the thumbs up to zerline can you make the field goal zerline started coming out and then Salah said now go back on the sidelines like you got to know at that point, are you going to kick the field goal? Because your field goal kicker told you before the game, I'm good from this distance from this side of the field, right? You got to know that as a head coach. And you're going back and forth, and you wound up taking the delay of game to punt the ball. I'm so okay let, the ball, but just let, let, let me jump in because, and that this isn't good, bad throwing shade, but exactly your point happened in the Buffalo Giants game, right? Because Buffalo was in a fourth and 10 situation. It was going to be about a 55-yard field goal. But McDermott had already talked to Bass and, and to special teams, and they were like, you know, what do we got? And they were like, this is no good at this end, right? Wind swirling, the, you know, I'm no good here, right? And so when it when that situation presented itself, the punting team came on, right? I know all of us were like, what are you doing punting, right? But they had already had that conversation. Those are conversations need to be had by the head coach so that you don't find yourself burning a timeout or taking a delay or anything like that. Yeah. So again, it, it's those things that can be a killer uh, for your organization. You got to, you got to know what you're doing as a head coach. And, and I think sometimes we're, we're, we're in and out. We're not ready to make a decision. And so and time is crucial because uh, you're either burning a timeout, right. Or taking a delay a game. So uh, that's what I'll say there from a coaching from an offense. These were some surprising numbers um, that, that I'm seeing is um, we're throwing the ball 61% of the time. I had to double check and run the numbers. I could not believe that the throwing 61% of the time. And it, it, there's only one game we've truly been blown out. But, it, but again, it's I just, it's a lot of passing for, for Zach. We have running backs, and we're not um, giving our, our backs opportunities. Um, and you know, Richie, Richie, my boy, Richie, uh, Richie B from New York. You know, he says we're not we're not leveraging you know Dalvin Cook good enough. And 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 I think Dalvin is starting to hit a stride as far as his speed goes. Um, but we're not allowing Brees and this run attack to somewhat get established. Um, and I, and I understand the last couple of weeks, Zach. 72, 72, 61% completion percentage. It's been going up, right, which is great. And they're using some of the short passes to kind of make it look like runs. But I, I like to see our, our backs have a little bit better balance. I'm not saying 50-50. I just six, think 61 is a little high for, for, for Zach Wilson. So. But, Steve, Steve, this is where sometimes the numbers – don't always tell the story, right? I know you mentioned that there was only one time that you were blown out. However, right, wh whoever's providing the data set that you have, we have to understand what the data set means in the first quarter, 
what it means in the first half, what it means to the third quarter, right? Because you may not be being blown out, but you may be chasing points. And if you're chasing points, then you're going to be more of an aggressive type throwing the ball. Also need to understand what, you know, kind of the defenses that you've gone up against, what is your yards per carry in the first quarter, your yards per carry in the second, because if you're not getting it done, and, and sometimes you still have to do it, even though it's not successful, but maybe you start to see an uptick there. The balance over time, I think, would would start to even out, or at least I would hope would start to even out, maybe a 55-45, something along that range. Yeah, I, I and I would be comfortable with a 55-45. I think 61-39, and Jet fans know we are not – we are not allowing the run game to really go. Now we ran against Denver because everybody runs against Denver. All right. That's the reality. Right. So, or I told you this, what the four plays into the game, I said, Reese is going to, he's going to break a long one today. Right. Because you just saw how poor they attacked the the run, but we're not allowing our backs to get into a groove. And you know, this just because your backs get off to a slow start doesn't mean you abandon it. And I think kind of like, you know, what, with, uh, what Rob was saying is, you know, it sets up a play action too. Uh, I just like to see us get better balance. I think 61 is too high in, in my opinion. Um, we're at a 27th ranked offense in the NFL. Look at that. 160 yards per game. We're throwing the ball 61% of the time and we're averaging 160 yards per game. Uh, if that doesn't tell you a story here, something's wrong, right? If I'm throwing 61% of the time, I should have more than 160 yards per game. Um, we're 11th in the NFL. I, I don't have a problem yards per game. We had that one monster game against Denver. So it, early on, it's skewing those numbers because we ran for 254 yards or whatever it was against Denver. So when you only play six games, that 123 comes up a lot to, to get to 123. If you take away the Denver game and you pull that statistic out of the hat, we're probably at about 78 to 80 yards per game. So it's a little bit of a confusing stat. But this is not a confusing stat. We got six offensive touchdowns. Sorry. Right? We can get to the offense. And I know Salah keeps saying, we're this close. We're this close. dude. No, we're not this close to scoring a touchdown. Why? Because we get stupid penalties in the red zone, whether they're false starts or legal motions. I'm not going to get into the crackback block, but it's just a bad penalty to, to have right there. And we're running – for first, the first two plays, like when we get inside the 10 or at the 9, we run, run, and then set up the pass. And it's just like you run those first two times. Unfortunately, you're not getting any yardage. And now you're, you're fourth on third down in that condensed field. Man, it's hard because they know you're going to throw on third down. So um, uh, it's just uh, six offensive touchdowns don't get it done. A, re- a red zone offense, it's right there. 30.8% ranked 31st in the NFL. Playoff team, playoffs. We talking playoffs? You know the famous coach that said that, right? Playoffs. Well, I don't know how you expect to go to a playoffs with a red zone offense like that, and your third down efficiency is twenty six point two, dead last in the NFL. These are horrific numbers. I, I understand Zach and Aaron went down and all that, but at the end of the day, you want to get into the playoffs. You, you want to have any type of success. You can't. Your defense can't just win you every game. At some point, something's got to change here. This offense is is a disaster. Um, and and hopefully when they go into the bye week, 
they break it all down and figure out how to get this offense on track. Um, Zach is still looking too much on one receiver, um, and he's not going through the, all the progressions as needed at times. Um, like other younger quarterbacks, um, he, he's got to figure that out. Defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go through this real quick. they got to start faster. Takes them too long to make those adjustments. Um, they're giving they're giving sometimes 10 to, to 17 points before an adjustment. Now, when they make that adjustment, good luck, team, because in the first six games, you don't score a touchdown. They've given up one second-half touchdown all year. One in six games. And we play some pretty darn good offenses. One offensive touchdown. That's not lucky. That's, that's that's being damn good at what you're doing. So, but Sala and Brick and all the rest of the guys, DJ Reed, you're allowing 352 yards per game. 350. So before you start going off, 135 yards per game run, rushing the ball. Let, let's bring that number down a little bit. You want to talk about elite, right? You want to call yourself the 85 Bears, 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> the Bears are rolling in, rolling around laughing on the floor, right? So you got to be better. And the other thing that I thought the defense needed to be to do, we're inconsistent with tackling. Inconsistent, right? Some games we're trying to go for the knockout hit, and and, and they bounce off you, and you're giving up 10, 10 extra yards. You 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 got to you got to tackle. You got to tackle. So maybe you would. Be that, that's a league wide issue. That that's a league wide issue for you. That that's yeah, not you just call the yourself elite. When you call yourself elite, True. right, True. and you want to put that label out there, right? Maybe if you tackled and were more consistent, that 352 would be 299 because you're giving up chunk yards because you're not wrapping, you're not doing the right thing, and, and you're letting these guys bounce bounce off you. And so um it, it just again, just something I saw through the first six games. People may agree, may some may not, uh, may see a different lens. Uh, you know, sometimes you have the jet goggles on. And, and I do at times, like any any fan does. You, you times. <laughs> you ignore some of the bad, right? But the offensive side of the ball, you can't ignore that. I mean, look, we all know. It's, it's not a surprise, you know, with Zach Wilson. It's just if you think we can hold it together, right, we have to see that improvement. We have to see when we get to the red zone that we're a complete offense. And either you trust the kid because it looks like you don't trust the kid. And what's happening is you're kicking field goals. Okay, you got lucky to beat the Eagles with field goals, right? We all understand the bonehead play at the end of the game. You don't win. You don't beat elite teams by kicking field goals. I mean, I was all over Facebook. You cannot win. Of course, they proved me wrong on this particular game. But generally, you cannot win just kicking field goals. It's very rare. Very rare that you, you can do that. So they got to get better. So, Look, I know we talked a lot Jets tonight. Uh, I want to make sure that we, we get enough time for the Bills. But uh, what, One of the things, though, before we go over to the Bills, that I will say about the Jets, you and I talked about this. You you have different types of quarterbacks, right? Okay. You, you have quarterbacks that make receivers, and then you have wide receivers that make quarterbacks, right? And your receiving core, with the exception of Garrett Wilson, is being made or was going to be made by Aaron Rodgers. And so now that they are playing with Zach, and Zach is young and improving, and I think some of the numbers that you have displayed show that he is improving, but it's making it tough for Zach, and it's making it tough for the offense in general because Zach goes to Garrett Wilson 
every single play, basically, right? And then he'll go, if he has to, he'll go to somebody else, to the Lazard or to the Cobb or to one of your tight ends. Yeah, Conklin. Conklin it's really the Conklin-Garrett Wilson show, right? Lazard gets a touch here, there, and he gets touches, don't get me wrong. It's just um, – And those guys would have been fine with Rodgers back there as the signal caller. With the Jets, in, in, from my lens, outside observation, the Jets need to be looking to upgrade what you have on the outside. Now, you got rid of somebody today, uh, but you, you need to upgrade what you have on the outside. Who's going to be that complimentary receiver to Garrett Wilson? And you need to have that guy out there. Yeah, I, I, well, that's why they signed Lazard, I think, to be that number two. I just don't know. Like, I've been happy with Lazard. Um it's just you wish he had a little bit more speed, um, and, and it, especially in man where you can create that separation to get that a, a better window for 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 Wilson to hit. Um, but you, you you touched on it. I think the guy that they thought it was going to be was was uh, Nicole Harbin, who they wound up training back to Kansas City uh, a late afternoon uh, today. Uh, but they swapped uh, twenty twenty five uh, round picks, uh, and so. You know, Jet fans, when, when they signed him, uh, were going, oh, we got a Chiefs wide receiver. I mean, it was incredible just listening to all of it. And I'm, and I'm chuckling inside because people that know me know that I live in Kansas City now. I don't live in New York anymore. And so here in Kansas City, the guy, I, I don't know how to explain it, the Jet fans, right? He's got – he's a horrible route runner, and he's got bricks for hands. And if you remember in the preseason, it may have been the first game, there was a, a deep ball down the middle and he drops it. And he drops it and he lays on the ground pretending like his hands hurt. Yeah, it's not his hands, it's it's his ego. Because he got a shot downfield and he sure. drops the ball. Now you can say, well, it's only preseason, he doesn't have a lot of reps. That's Nicole Hardman. The Chiefs use him as a gadget guy. And I tried to explain it to Jet fans and all these different um, groups that they have. Because I've had firsthand experience watching him because I'm here in town. Where in New York, you don't know McCall Harmon by name. You don't see him play. You just know that he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he, he must be good because he's a two-time world champion. The reality is Justin Watson, their wide receiver, that's been coming of age a little bit uh, the last couple of weeks for the Chiefs, got hurt. Now, they don't expect him to be on IR, but it's going to be a multiple week. Uh, he's going to be out multiple weeks. Could be two to three weeks. Chiefs need a wide receiver that knows the playbook. You make a trade for somebody that you don't know, they don't know the playbook. You make the trade, yeah, Harbin goes to the bottom of that list, and everybody else moves up or wrong. But Mikko Harbin's not going to be lying out wide as, as uh, R, uh, WR2. It will not happen. Right? They will only use him if it's absolutely necessary. So it was a smart move by the Chiefs. Because they need a wide receiver, it doesn't cost him a lot of money, and he knows the playbook. But the Chiefs know. He went for $4 million to the Jets. If the Chiefs thought he was any good, you don't think they would have paid $4 million to keep him? <laughs> Come on, guys. Seriously. Like, let's not overrate. Right? Everybody's complaining about Cobb's statistics as the worst in the NFL. And they are. For the, he's on the field 49% of the time, and he's got 20 yards receiving. That just tells you how bad Nicole Hardman is, that they don't trust him to be on the field. Right? So think about that. These are guys that are making – coaches are making millions of dollars a year, 
they're seeing it at practice. You're going to put him – if you can't do it in practice, you're going to put him in the game? No, I don't think so. So um, happy for McCall, McCall because he was lost out here. And maybe he'll uh, he'll have a catch or two over the next couple of weeks. Indeed. And, and, you know, we're talking about the second wide receivers. I want to kind of segue over to the Bills. We're talking about the second wide receiver. I'm telling you, Ransom, I'm telling you, that's what it is, right? And I'm I'm watching the game. Bills fans are watching the game, and Josh is just going to digs to digs to digs to digs. I think he had a total of 16 targets in that game. And it <clears throat> excuse me, you you draft Kincaid, highly sought after tight end, right? You you traded up to get this guy because you knew that he was in play for some other teams. You said that he was going to be kind of your scene guy. Right, he was going to be your slot guy, but he was going to be able to play in the seams. Everybody's envisioning Travis Kelsey or Gronk or somebody along those lines, right? Um, to then be able to free up a Davis who's on the outside, right? And then everybody's talking about running two tight ends because then you can run Knox and you can run Kincaid, but it's not happening, right? And when you look at our second wide receiver, I I've been a big Gabriel Davis fan. I really have. Um, even before the Kansas City game, just just thought, you know, he gave us the the height, the size that we were looking for. He could go over the top. His route running's horrible, but sometimes you let some of the other abilities compensate for, you know, maybe where you're a little weaker. But he's he's consistently inconsistent. That that's that's one of the big issues, right? Always that that clutch drop that you need, um, and so. You have to find out who's going to be on the outside. Well, you bring in Sherfield, you bring in Hardy. These guys are not going to be your true number two. And really in this league, you need to have what the Dolphins have. You need to have what the Eagles have. They have two number ones out there. They're just one is playing one and the other is playing 1A, right? When you talk about Brown and, and Smith or you, you look at Waddle and you, you look at Hill, you have – Two number ones. These guys can separate and go to different teams and be the number one wide receiver. And that's ultimately what you're going to need in this league, and that's what Buffalo needs to do. They do need to address uh, the wide receiver. Now, to keep Davis on the team, absolutely love to do it, but I don't know if you can afford something like that. So it, it makes life difficult. They And then, you know, Buffalo is creating pains because of, and I'm going to say it now, I've said it on some of the boards, because of Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey is holding the Buffalo Bills back. And, you know, somewhere along the lines, in, in the last offseason, somewhere along the lines, there was a discussion, whether it be between Dorsey and Allen, between McDermott, Dorsey, and Allen. Bean may have been in there. Pagula may have been in there, right? They may have brought everybody together. But they said, Josh, you got to stop running. You can see it. You, you don't have the design runs, right? Uh, when Josh is flush from the pocket, you can see he's hesitating, which is going to get you hurt when you hesitate like that. <laughs> because all of a sudden, Josh is starting to do like this little fake pump uh, or a pump fake down, down the, you know, like he's trying to throw open somebody and then try to run. Uh, or he's throwing off balance on the run. Not part of his gameplay. And we've talked about in the past, we talked about when Michael Vick was out there, 
in how you had coaches like a Dan Reeves come out there and say, you know, we, Michael, I need you to play this way. And we know what happened, right? When you start to change the identity of the player because you're afraid of injury or you're afraid of the negative result, you end up creating a bigger issue mm-hmm. and, and you leave yourself susceptible. And that's what's happening with Josh. And that's what's happening to the offense because now that threat that Buffalo had for the last two to three years of Josh being able to assess what's it when he's in the pocket and then be able to roll out and be able to make plays the threat of him truly running right would force those safeties to kind of hold force those linebackers to kind of hold and when they didn't he would exploit it and take off for 15 20 yards it's sure enough that next play in plays after that they were kind of spying on him which opened it up in that intermediate zone well now you've taken that away I have no problem, and I like the fact that they have Josh under center, right? I like that because now you've created a little bit of deception, right? We're running play-action fake all the time. Sometimes we run play-action fake and the running back's not there. I don't know who you're faking to, but we're running play-action fake, and you're doing that. But what you're doing is you're creating that pause. You're creating that step by the linebackers, right? But – Aside from that, what what have you done to help Josh? And by not helping Josh, what are you doing to help this offense except for pile up all the targets to Diggs and pile up the 100 yards to Diggs? He's going to get his. It doesn't matter if he has 16 targets. He could get his on eight targets. He's that good. But you're not putting your players in the position to be successful starting with Josh. Go ahead, Steve. Well, and and Craig Craig just mentioned because – we talked about this with, with Josh Allen, and it's like um, um, I'm going to tie this in here in a second with with Lamar Jackson, right? Round hole, square peg, round hole, right? Think of what how they're changing Lamar Jackson with the new offensive coordinator versus Greg Roman, right? And and, and how they now the two different schemes, and really Baltimore struggling offensively uh, with this new offensive coordinator. So you're kind of changing Josh Allen of who he is. Don't take away from who he is. Just just be a little bit smarter when you're running with the football. Don't take that big hit that you don't need to. Don't try to hurdle somebody. Run downfield. Be you. That's exactly it. And don't try and lower your shoulder to take on uh, on a linebacker or a corner where you can put yourself in harm's way and be out. You know, do it injury. That's exactly it. You you have that conversation should have been had a lot differently. Josh, we need you to slide. Meaning, Josh, you could still run. We need you to slide. Josh, we need you to run out of bounds, right? But sometimes you can't take the player away from or who he is away from what he is. And we saw that in the skirmish, right? You you had a a little bit of a tussle, right? Testosterone was flowing on the field with the Giants. You had Thibodeau, who was kicking Deion Dawkins, you know, like he was playing soccer, foots to feet to all over the place, right? And then off in the corner, you see 17 come in and land a shoulder on somebody. And at first, I, I, was, I was all excited. Then I realized, wait a minute, that's my quarterback. What are you doing, right? And then where's the responsible adult on the field to make sure that your quarterback does not get involved in a situation like that, right? Because the last thing you need is for him to, A, get hurt in that, in that scrum, but, B, potentially get tossed in that scrum, right? Because something could have happened. So, But – 
that's who he is, right? He's the type of guy that likes to get his hands dirty, get his jersey dirty, get his helmet dirty. And if that means that he's sticking a shoulder into you, if that means that he's going forward, that's who he is. You can't take that away. And you're trying to take that away. And you're starting to see some of the things that he's doing that are just not Josh Allen-like. Okay. The the other thing that, you know, before we start getting into um, the some of the clips that we have as well, some things we want to show, is I do want to talk about the altercation. Not, not the actual who did what to who and all of that, Stevie D. But I talked about last year, the Cincinnati game. And I, I was very much uh, speaking about how we got smacked in the and, and punched in the face, right? We were bullied on that field, offensively and defensively, both sides of the line of scrimmage. Cincinnati's offensive line manhandled our defensive line. And Cincinnati, you're talking about last year in the playoffs, or you're talking last week in in the playoff game? Well, it started it started in the infamous game, right? But it, it also was in the playoff game. They beat us on both sides of the line of scrimmage, right? And it didn't it 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 did not really resonate to the players, obviously, because we've seen it a couple times this year, and it's I've come to the conclusion that we're soft. We have got to man up. Teams that come at you, and the Giants came in with nothing to lose, double-digit underdog, starting quarterback gone, and they said, we're going to push you around. And that's exactly what they did. We won because we have better talent, and that's why we were able to score late. But still, at the end of the day, they pushed us around. They manhandled us. And if you want to be a champion, if you want to be the one that, that's at king of the hill at the end, then it is up to you to make sure that you don't allow those on the other side of the ball to dictate, manhandle, and punch you in the face. And that's our problem right now. McDermott talks about how he was a wrestler. That's fine, right? But you need to take that wrestling mentality and make sure that all your guys on the line of scrimmage, all your guys that are on the field are out there and that they're not going to be bullied. They're not going to be pushed around by the guys on the other side. Now, I was happy to see. I mean, we have our Spencer Brown, which Spencer Brown reminds me of the guy that will push you. And then next thing you know, he, he's going. <laughs> oh, no, that, he's that, not. He's that kind of that, guy. That, that's what he reminds me of, right? I, I want the nasty guys, and we've had the nasty guys over the years. We've had these guys, right? Even a Richie Incognito. We have Richie. Nasty guys, right, that won't allow your line to be dictated to or bullied. So, you know, just some, th some things that I've seen that are starting to trend and not trending in the right way, Stevie D. Okay. Uh, one of the things, though, I, I've been very disappointed with the play calling from Ken Dorsey. Right. Yeah, you've, and I've been, talked, you've, been, you've been, yeah, we've been talking about a lot. That's like and, and we're talking about. When, when he first, well, when Dable left, and, you know, we were talking about who are we going to bring in, I was all for Dorsey, right? Such an easy transition. You know the personnel. You know what we've done two years ago. You know where we want to go. We want to continue that. But what I am seeing week after week is 
Dorsey doesn't know how to make in-game adjustments. Dorsey works within the small confines of a playbook. And then you almost think, well, maybe the playbook isn't that – not that big, right? Maybe they don't have that many plays in there. And then all of a sudden, Stevie D, we see something like – now what you see here, you have Hardy going in motion. And if you at the top of the screen, you have Diggs and you have Davis. And they basically run drags coming across to the right side of the field. Hardy goes back. And if you watch Hardy as he goes back, you almost have like a rub play by the two receivers. You had the DB that came in motion who now gets caught up in there. And now it's wide open, right? Wide open. That is a great play call. That is motion that Bills fans have been asking for all of the season. Right. And to be able to watch them execute. Now, the question is, how come you don't do that at first and 10 from your 20? How come you don't do that at second and 13? How come you don't do that at midfield? Right. You have the plays. You need to utilize all of the players and all of the plays in your playbook. And that was a perfect example. We rarely have seen Hardy do anything on the field. We've seen a couple jet sweeps and we've seen. Uh, maybe a bubble screen, and and that's basically it. Sherfield, I think, only has two targets, right? So when you see that, you know that they have something in the playbook. You know that they've practiced it. You have got to start to open up the playbook, right? Because now all of a sudden, teams cannot just focus in on a digs. Teams cannot focus in on on maybe just your running game, right? Now you've opened it up so that all the players are in are in play there. The other that I want to talk about, Stevie D, <laughs> is the controversy, right? Holding, pass interference. Well, first of all, thank you, right? I am going to say thank you to the official gods that are up there. I'm going to say thank you. It's about time uh, because as far as I know, we have never gotten a call that it's gone our way when it comes down to a controversial penalty, right? Even any time they go under the hood, we don't win, right? It, it feels like we have a bullseye on our chest or a bullseye on our back that they're always coming after us, and they're either making up calls, right, that are nowhere to be found. And as the game got started, Stevie D, I was like, here we go again with this. You had Davis, who was wide open. You break a free wide open, and all of a sudden, oh, their feet got tangled up. No, they didn't, right? Then you had um, you had Sherfield, same side of the field, later on in the game, same situation. Our feet got tangled up, right? And then next thing you know, you know, no call, no penalty call. Two times should have been pass interference. Let me tell you, I can tell you from experience, right? I go back to my days and, you know, I apologize now, probably, you know, so, so many years too late, but you know, there was a play. We had picked up a fumble. We're running in. There's a guy that was in pursuit and I was right behind him and I stepped on his foot. I got called for clipping. How are you calling me for clipping? You know, that was accidental, right? They called it on me. You can't call it on them. Can't call it on them. And so I was at that point of saying, here we go again, right? 
But then I take you down to the last play of the game. And when you look at it in the last play, and Joey, actually, it wasn't pass interference. It was defensive only. Is really, if you were going to call anything. So there's two parts of this, right? And as we watch this play, the first thing to take note is you see Shaq Lawson and the pressure that he puts on Tyrod Taylor, forcing the high pass. But not only did he force the high pass, you could see as we started to zoom in, Waller had extended his arm. The, the receiver can put his, his hands on the DB, but he can't lock out that elbow. Once you lock out that elbow, that's the push-off, and that's offensive interference. So, But, but also to that – go ahead. Can I ask you something on that, just for a clarification on the rule? So you can't, you can't extend your arm even if they're away at a certain point. You have to be more like this, not like it, this. What once once the elbow locks out, that's when the referee can you call it as call it for a push off. Yes, yeah. it could be. Yes, yes. But is if that now again we're talking about judgment calls, right? But technically, the rule of thumb or the way they describe it as the rule of thumb is that once that elbow locks out, now you've extended for the push out. You can put your hand as long as that elbow. But again, judgment. Oh, I thought I you had to physically push. The receiver, um, but as you push, remember that elbow's locking out, right? So you're you're not really getting too much of a push, keeping the elbow in. Anyway, so you had that by Waller. I'm not gonna lie, Taron Johnson, from the time the ball was snapped, and you can see he was locked out to the side of the, of the jersey up until Waller went to jump, which was a great play by Taron Johnson, because as he goes to jump. He releases the jersey, but now it's too late because everything is bang, bang. It's too late. He's not able to get his other arm up. And then we have to question, you know, really was that ball catchable? More than likely, I would say no, because, again, we saw the pressure that was put in by Lawson. Tyrod had to force the pass a little quicker maybe than he wanted to. It was a little higher, right, the moment of time. So we don't know what would have happened, but there were definitely – I would say that Terrence Johnson got away with it for sure. Absolutely, I'll be the first a minute. And thank you. I'm going to leave it at that. And thank you. Not my problem. We don't, we don't get those calls, and usually they go against us. Just like they called the 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 play before, they called the pass interference. I'm like, here we go. Right. It, it was right. I, I'll admit it. It was. But I know that you, myself, and everybody out there that's watching, we've seen plenty of times where. There have been calls where there's a no call and we're screaming, how can you not call that? And it seems when it comes to the Bills, it's so easy for them to call it against the Bills. Again, I say thank you, right? But Stevie D, even though I say thank you to that, I go back to when we talk about the so, keys. But, but before we go to the pictures, there, there, is, there, there is something I want to point out. One, when you talked about it was not a catchable ball, where I'm going to – the only reason why I'll disagree that it's not a catchable ball because he's got his hand on it. Where I think of an uncatchable ball is something that your your arm can't get to, right? I agree. So, right? And the other thing that I thought was it was a horrible play call for me. For me, it's a horrible play call is that when you snapped that ball, you got one spot and one spot only to go, and that was Kawala. For me, if you spread him out wide with three to four wide, 
I have three to four places I can go with the football. Maybe five if you count the running back, right? And and, and I have all these different places I can go with the football. Where it's you're all eggs in one basket. I'm not a fan of that that of that play. Uh, when, when I saw it, even before I said, "Oh my God!" I thought they were going to run the football. Uh, me, I, I'm splitting everybody wide, and I'm, I'm running everybody and see what I can have. have. Maybe a little pick play a, around the goal line to free up a guy uh, because everybody's so short. Um, well, we, we we talk about that, right? We would say the old Madden single back, you know, uh, spread offense. They don't have that, right? And, and teams should have that. Buffalo should have that. Um, you know, even if you're running 10 personnel, I, there's nobody there. Let's go. So, uh, but Stevie D, I, I do want to kind of, and it, it's a little bit of back and forth, if you will. When we talk about the Patriots, right? It's Patriots week. We all hate the Patriots. You know, they aren't who we thought they were going to be, right? And, and they're having a rough season. I'm happy. Um, but I go back to the play 60 as I, I've said over the last three to four weeks, I'm going to have this up there every single week because Stevie D we're not playing 60. It goes into the start fast. What in the world is going on with these three and outs, three and outs and three and outs on offense. It goes back to Ken Dorsey, which goes back down. If you look down under the bills and the players to watch Dorsey needs to open up the playbook. There's nothing wrong with the players that we have on the field. They've proven that they can catch the ball. They've proven that they can run the ball. They've proven that they can block. But if you're not creative with the playbook and you're running the same thing over and over and over again, then all of a sudden the the defense knows your game plan and they can slow you down or stop you. And that's what we're seeing week after week. Dorsey has got to expand that playbook. And that's where it goes to the play 60, start fast. And I go back up to that, Stevie D. I, I think for us as Bills fans, right now we're, we're in a little bit of a malaise here, right? Because we're not used to seeing, with all the weaponry that we have, all the success that we have had on offense, we're not used to seeing this team basically bring out Sam Martin. Right? We've gone games – where we haven't punted at all. And for him to be out there the entire time of the first half, there, there's no excuses for that, right? I get that you go against good defenses, right? Win against yours in week one. I get that. But that also means that it becomes a chess match, right? You do something, we do something. You counter that, we counter that, and you go back and forth. You're going to have success. We're going to have success. But when you start to go up against inferior competition and you start to give them confidence and you start to give them the momentum, and then all of a sudden you're looking in the mirror trying to figure out what happened, things are in total disarray. Something has got to change. And that change needs to happen with Dorsey. I'm not saying fire him. I didn't say that. What I mean with the change with Dorsey is you have stopped, you have got to stop doing what you think is right, and start expanding. You have got to open your mind. We've said this in the past when it came to Marcia Broda. We said this in the past when it came to Walt Corey, right? I remember this vividly with our touched, or with our Super Bowl teams back in the 90s, right? You have got to make the adjustments. What adjustments are you making? Well, Dorsey's not making any. He's not making any. 
And that has got to stop. Um, the key to the victory, I have records don't matter. They don't, right? Don't go into this game looking at the Patriots as this is the lowly Patriots, right? You, I think your team fell victim to that, right? You looked at them and, and you thought, no, they're, they're a walkover. They're a pushover. We may have thought that last week. Let's erase that. Let's realize that they are gunning to beat you. A, they're gunning to save ourselves, or not ourselves, uh, Belichick his job, right? That's the first thing. They're trying to save their own jobs. They're trying to save their own <laughs> reputation. You have guys that are playing for contracts. There's a lot that's going on on the other side of the field. Plus, they don't like you. They don't respect you. They owned you for almost a full decade. I can remember when the Dolphins owned us for a decade. The same thing has happened here with the Patriots. They owned us. We found every which way possible to lose to the Patriots. Leotis McKelvin, we, we saw that. We've seen what has happened. And if anything, we should be exacting revenge for all the years in the past. When we were down, they didn't care how bad we were. They wanted to light us up and keep scoring and keep scoring. Moss touchdown. Grunkowski touchdown. Moss touchdown. Well, now we need to turn those tables. I don't care if they're hurt, right? They they lost their rookie, Gonzalez, and, and they, Junon is yeah. out. And so now you, you have a weakened defense. You need to take exact every piece of revenge you can. You need to be the Mo Lewis of the Mo Lewis Drew Bledsoe. We need to be the hit that puts Belichick out. I mean, run it up. If Miami can score 70, then we score 77 against the Patriots. The records don't matter. And it's not because I hate the Patriots. It's because we need to get back on track and we need to do what's right. Now, excuse me, as I I mentioned about Dorsey, go down to Kincaid. Yes, uh, Kincaid's coming back from the concussion. Thank goodness it was only a concussion. If you look over the last couple weeks, you've had tight ends that have really exposed the Patriots, especially with the injuries that they're starting to have. You had Dallas's tight end that, that went for like 130 or something like that. And, you know, over the last three weeks, I think their tight ends have had averaged six catches a game. This is the perfect time to get Kincaid in there and be able to utilize his talents and be able to spread out that offense. I want to see him used in, in the manner that we drafted him to be used. Right. Not, not, not as a three-yard-and-out guy. That that's a waste of time. Quentin yeah, Moore, who, who had a great game, could do three yards and out. You drafted this guy number one. Let's show why we want to use him number one. See yeah, I thought the fan, I thought, you know from a fantasy perspective, they had Dalton Kincaid very high, and and people are saying start him in your fantasy leagues, and and he just hasn't uh, hasn't been on the field or it has been using those big play explosive plays. It's almost been like he's been a percent possession type of tight end, right? Um, I'm waiting to see that explosiveness and him stretching the field. Absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me. And then I have all 53 man up, right? That goes back to the Giants game. That goes back to uh, some of the other games and really the Cincinnati game. Stop getting beat up, right? Man up. 
And why don't we be the aggressor? Why don't we punch them in the face first? Why don't we look them down and make them back down to us? Because we're the alphas that are out there. And then we'll be back on track. It's as simple as that. Right? I'm not saying a whole lot here, Stevie D. It's as simple as that. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how we rebound. I don't want to hear any more about London. Right? You had jet lag going over. You had jet lag coming back. Okay. Now you've slept in your bed for, you know, a few days. You've gotten reacclimated back to the U.S. Let, let's go handle business. Speaking of handling business, DVD, uh, I see that you handled your business with the picks. <laughs> so. Uh, I had a good week. I've had a good couple of weeks to kind of get back on track because, Man, it was a couple of hideous weeks. I was, you know, I must have been falling asleep. So, uh. so as we look at this week, there, there's a lot that's different. So we can have a complete reverse on the boards at the end of this week. Um, I, I am intrigued though for the Monday night game, Stevie D. Um, not, not so much from Minnesota's perspective, but from San Francisco. I want to see what San Francisco is going to do without um, McCaffrey and without Debo. Uh, two big injuries to that offense. Are they the same offense? I doubt it. I really do. I doubt it. Uh, Minnesota's that bad. <laughs> so they, they they may mask that, uh, but I, I don't think so. The other one, Stevie D, that I, I, I kind of selected was the Chargers, Kansas City. Um, and and, and here, here's here's why. You mentioned, you mentioned half of it already. Brandon Stanley can be on the hot seat. Yeah. The Chargers, first of all, we're talking about a division game. The Chargers played Kansas City tough, and if it wasn't for their coach botching, always going for two points, they would have won that game or at least could have won that game. Leave it at that. They could have won that game. I'm hoping and I'm thinking that he's learned from his mistakes because he got roasted. He was vilified for that, that those coaching decisions. You find yourself now. It is on the road for the Chargers, but I'm also not not all the way in with Kansas City. I I, I don't see them as the same team. And if Taylor Swift is there, oh, another distraction. Yeah, I I don't have the Chargers winning this game. I just don't. I don't have them winning this game. Um, I I, I don't. I don't uh, how else to say it? I think the Chiefs are going to run away with this game. We'll see. And again, this is how this board could turn. So maybe I need to call Brandon Staley and be like, look, Brandon, my picks are in your hands. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. So Stevie D, um, this was this was a good one. I appreciate it. We definitely want to say thank you to everybody that, that helped uh, chime in, comment, um, and was an active participant. We do yeah, appreciate we had it. it. We, had it we had it everywhere today. So Yeah. Great. So it was, it was awesome. Um, and you know, you know, before we, before I forget, need to thank, uh, the Buffalo bills for, uh, their, their media for the clips we use CBS sports. And was it, that was New York. New York, New York Times. Times. Yeah. yeah. So thank you guys for making those available so that we could share that with you guys. Um, aside from that, DVD, you can always check it out on any one of our social media platforms. I see you have the OWS DVD. Uh, that's Instagram. You have OW Sports 12. That's Instagram for myself. We're on Twitter. 
or we're on X, formerly known as Twitter, and of course here on Facebook. Um, but definitely like to hear from you. Let's keep it up. This very a lot of momentum going on here, and definitely appreciate all the participation. So for my co-host Stevie D, I'm Vince. We'll talk to you soon.